me the green light because I'm ready to go. In This Corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Pro Wrestling Edition as we hang it and bang it with another stakes and weight size dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell is in fact the voice that you hear. I run this show around here, not you, Jack. Back with another loaded episode looking back at the week that was in WWE less than 30 days out from WrestleMania 34. Oh, yeah. Well-dressed Nick Costos is currently looking handsome as he holds things down on the night shift of our new 24-7 live streaming network, CBS Sports HQ. What size shirt is that, a schmedium? Yeah, yeah. Check it out. You'll, you'll see plenty of, plenty of schmediums there. But with me, as always, is my ultra-talented co-host. Oh, yeah. The man who doesn't believe in a revolution until he sees one. The Silver King. Adam Silverstein. Hey now, I think our proportion of Hulk Hogan drops, I should say our number of Hulk Hogan drops is disproportionate to the rest of your soundboard. Is that fair it's to say? Gone, it's gone up in, in a gratuitous fashion in the past yeah. few weeks. There's no, once I discovered that treasure trove of what, which was his TNA career, which a lot of us looked past. But uh, Adam, as mentioned, another loaded show featuring one talented man whose name is on the marquee. Yes. And I don't mention that part to boast or brag. I mention it because finding great talent is unquestionably a challenge, right? Like in the way businesses have previously went about doing so, if we're being honest, it's been frustrating and inefficient. Luckily, though, Adam, ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way. So they build a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply for your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. But no, Silver King, ZipRecruiter does not stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Adam, what should our listeners do if they're looking to find them? Well, if you have a business or you know someone who has a business, really any size business, you should trust ZipRecruiter for your hiring needs. And right now, get this. In this corner, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. Free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. One more time. ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. Oh, the Silver King said it. The smartest way to hire ZipRecruiter. And Adam, I teased it. I teased the bag. So you're going to get the mess off the top. We are in that red hot road to mania. And when you had a three night stretch of Fastlane, a red hot raw, an up and down SmackDown, but still stuff to talk about. I'm I'm right in the middle. I'm right in the mix. I'm plugged into the matrix. I'm where WWE wants me to be. I'm fired up about WrestleMania. I, I finally have that sort of, you know, uh, innocent sort of, you know, old school fanism back in me. I just want to see where things are going to go from here. Those unanswered questions, right? I think I'm actually going to take that next step, which is hard as a journalist, which is hard in this spot, but swear off dirt rag, sheet rag, spoilers the rest of the way, okay? Nothing against our dirt sheet friends, but I don't think I want to drink from that cup. I want to live this journey for the next 26 or so days. You with me on this or what? Yeah, I am, but I think we're, we're coming to it now, what, mid-March, and the dirt is pretty much done. Like, there's only so much dirt left. Really, what it is for WrestleMania is, what's the schedule going to be? What's the card going to look like? I'm sorry. And who do we expect to win those matches? 
So really, the only dirt that really remains, look, there's nine WrestleMania matches made on CBSSports.com. I've predicted six or seven more. We're looking at a potential 15-match card. That's done. So really all it is is, all right, is AJ going to retain or is Shinsuke going to win? How is Roman going to go over? Um, And yes, I can do without those particular spoilers. So I'm with you in that, definitely. I want Virgin Eyes the rest of the way. I trust that you'll tell me. You know, you'll you'll tease the me and say, look, you got to hear this. But if not, I want to be a fan with the people. I'm feeling it, man. I am feeling ready. Did these three nights do anything to to you? Did they activate the feel spot at all? So I think the main event of Fastlane, and we'll get into a full Fastlane analysis. I mean, we're not going to go in depth, obviously, because three quarters of the card was basically worthless. But we'll we'll do analysis of Fastlane. I thought the main event was one of WWE's best matches of the last 15 months. I think it's universally agreed upon that raw was red hot fire and SmackDown. There's a mixed bag. We got a lot of tweets of people that really enjoyed SmackDown and spoiler alert. The silver King did not. So oh, BC. Oh, here we go. I knew it. I knew there'd be a black lining on that silver cloud for the silver King. You know it. Let's start us off as we do every week. And we'll start off on a positive note in this edition of the main event. This- So there's a lot that went down on Raw, but if we were booking this show based on fan reaction, then what we need to do is start with John Cena, who delivered, I don't know how long it was, seven to ten minutes, a badass, scathing promo on Raw, not just resigning himself to the fact that he didn't really have a WrestleMania opponent and may need to go watch in the crowd, which is something that we discussed, and it's funny that he actually brought that up. But then he went ahead and jumped back into the ring after meeting Sasquatch and taking a sip of his beer <laughs> and, and challenged The Undertaker, not once, not twice, but thrice to a match at WrestleMania BC. Wow. Hero or zero on John Cena Monday night. Look, this was hot fire. I, and look, I'm coming into this situation. You know, I'm not an, a fan of the old man Taker era. I am not a fan of seeing Undertaker in 2018 at WrestleMania. But this was like the type of thing that you can't resist it because it's John Cena doing what John Cena can do best, which is just get a little bit work shooty. But just turn that volume up. And he's playful in the fun ways, going in the crowd, like you mentioned. I mean, that's just loose, almost the rock type stuff, you know, taking the, the drink. I don't think that guy was a he was a mark, but I don't think that guy was a place place there with a the long hair and bear cup. Do you? I mean, I'm hoping that hoping that guy's just not part of the ring crew. I think that guy, you know, John played it well and getting in there and not attacking Undertaker and calling him out in the supernatural dead man necessarily way, but the real way, the I want to challenge you to a fight way. And you know that's going to get me fired up. That's why this was so badass. That's why this was so good. And I don't think I can be anything but happy about where this could go. And I want to hit you with that Jekyll Hyde as much as I can because I compare 50... He's going to be 53, by the way, for WrestleMania. The 53-year-old Undertaker as like Patrick Ewing in a Supersonics jersey or an Orlando Magic jersey. Like, it just ruins the memory. Last year... It ruined the memory against Roman Reigns. I didn't have the tearful goodbye like a lot of people did where they were so happy to be there. I had, sorry, like, I mean, I'm really sorry. I might get hit by lightning, but I had. Look at all of this crap in this ring. And, and I don't feel bad about that. I'm not excited about Cena Taker, but I'm excited about where this is going. Can those two things be exclusive, Adam? No, those are not mutually exclusive. You're either excited about the whole thing or you're not. And you really just went on for, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, saying how much you loved 
what happened Monday night. Well, let me ask you this. You think when Mark Calloway, it, let's say they actually do this match, right? And Mark Calloway shows up on Raw, whether as The Undertaker or something else we'll get to in a little bit. Um, you think it's not going to be good in the ring? You think that stare down's not going to be epic? You think some blows may not get thrown? Let me tell you something. Undertaker Reigns put a real sour taste in our mouths and some fans' mouth about The Undertaker, right? Because not only was the match slow and plotting, but there were two blown spots at the end. It was poorly done. Um, and the fact that it closed WrestleMania on such a sour note, even though there was the potential retirement and he deserved that moment, right? He deserved the stage, but the moment was ruined by the quality of the match. Here's the thing. The guy had surgery in the, let's call it off season. And he apparently is healthy. Like the workout videos that John Cena referenced on Michelle McCool's Instagram, if you watch those, this is not a guy who's limping around backstage like he did if you saw that you know WWE 24 episode or like he has been after every single match that he's fought. So I'm not saying this guy is a spry 53-year-old here, but coming into this match, I think Undertaker wants to go out on a high note. I think they said, you know what? And we've been saying this forever, but this is it, Taker. Like, come back, get put over, go out on top, and look your best, the best you possibly can at this age doing it. Because what happened last year was an embarrassment for WWE, and it was an embarrassment to the Undertaker's character and legend. Yes. Because it was that poor. Right. It's not that it was bad. It was terrible. And here's how they do this right, and they may have already started this direction. They do it right by by playing the work shoot elements of it, and they do it right by saying, look, last year was supposed to be your swan song, but you didn't deliver. You didn't deliver on the level that we expected. You didn't deliver mostly on the level that you thought you could, and that's why you should be back. And that's essentially what Sino was saying right there. And I think we would understand that a lot more and accept it because our first reaction when, when you know, the Melters of the World first reported this idea that Taker would be back was, why would they ruin that memory? You know, why would they do that? You know, storyline, that's the end of the dead man. But you just laid it out. They would do that because the Undertaker cares about this business and his character so much that he doesn't want to go out like that. It's really no different than a lot of, like, Aging boxers who get knocked out in their last big fight, they want that one more homecoming softy match to be able to go out on their terms. To some degree, this is that, but obviously it's not a softy. It's John Cena at WrestleMania, but it comes down to the thing I preach week after week. If you're going to put two stars together, don't just put two stars together like you did with Taker and Reigns last year. Give us a storyline. Adam, they are giving us that storyline right now. So you said, I can't play both sides of the fence, right? I have to be either in or out. But... Here's what I don't want. I don't want a match like last year against the Reigns, right? We don't want a real long match. This is not a main event caliber match. It doesn't have to be. I, these two maybe shouldn't be booked in a Brock Lesnar-Goldberg booking where you get an eight-minute car wreck. That's probably not the best way. But there needs to be some middle ground between what we saw last year and what we saw in what I consider to be The Undertaker's last good feud, which is 2015 against Brock Lesnar. That, that three sets of big matches I thought was pretty well done, right? It was Hell in a Cell. It was, uh, was it SummerSlam? If not, maybe Survivor Series. It was right around that area. And it was mostly, you know, weapons, brawl-ish. But I think that's probably the best way you can tell the story. Get us so excited about these two men. Not their characters. Not You Can't See Me. Not, you know... And the ultimate thrill ride. No, no, those ultimate thrill rides. Give me Mark versus John for manhood, Adam. And that's why this was so good, because John challenged his manhood. Then it's really no different than Hulk Hogan against Vince McMahon in a street fight at Mania, right? That's really where it's got to be, that level. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can't separate it because you're either excited to see these two in a ring or you're not. And the truth is, when John Cena teased it three weeks ago or whenever it was, when he, when he made that appearance... Um, the crowd went crazy. 
Now, they went crazier for John Cena, who's a 50-50 guy. He's not really a face. He's not, you know, in terms of crowd reaction. And Mark Calloway, The Undertaker, who hasn't been on WWE TV in a year. They went crazier for John Cena suggesting, mentioning that match than they did for anything WWE is booked for WrestleMania. Okay? So you cannot tell me that being in attendance for that match and the fan reaction is fake. Because the fan reaction is sometimes fake for Roman Reigns and for some of these other things that WWE does whatever they can to force a reaction in a certain direction. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But things like Rusev Day, things like John Cena, The Undertaker, these are what fans actually want to see. And at some point you have to say, okay, we're going to give you what you want to see. And there's another match that's like that, which we'll talk about later. In this particular case, though, I think as long as it actually winds up getting booked and happens on the card, it's a win for WWE because I think John Cena will have a, uh, will be able to work with The Undertaker better than Roman Reigns did, both from a experience standpoint. I don't think Reigns was bothered by the big moment, per se, um, and I still do blame those botches on The Undertaker in last year's match. Yes. But I think Cena is just better apt to deal with the take with Taker, work through a match, plan it out, and really set something up that will well, let lessens, Undertaker shine. It lessens your expectations, too. When Reigns is there, we expect a, a great match, right? Like, that was the, the I mean, no, there. I expect, when I see John Cena wrestle over the last three years, I expect a great match. True. So I, Okay, so I didn't say that to slight him. I said it more like Reigns in his prime top superstar, I need a great match. Where Cena is now veering close enough toward celebrity aging veteran, where I think you'd expect the same if he was in there with Styles, but if he's in there with Taker, you're going to lower your expectations. I, I think the real biggest issue with Taker, and I'm curious if you agree, we've never really discussed this, is they really ruined the streak. Like... I was okay with Lesnar ending the streak and Undertaker fighting a couple more times and then retiring, right? Although I always did believe the end of the streak should have been his retirement. You go out on your back, you put someone else over, in that case it was Brock, right? But now he's lost twice. Is the Undertaker at WrestleMania at, again, I don't know, his 32-2, and two, right? It's not the same as Undertaker at 32-0. and 0. I don't whatever, think, see, whatever I think his record is. once you reveal that, once the streak's over, it's over. I don't care about bastardizing the streak. Like, it, it's to me, it's the same thing in boxing and MMA. When a great champion who was unbeaten for a long time finally loses and then gets washed and then has a couple extra L's, we don't tend to hold it against him unless it's like a Roy Jones Jr. situation in boxing where you've been taking L's for 10 years. It's just like, dude, get away. You're, you're that old. I, I do get what you're saying that it would have been better if the loss of the streak was his final appearance. Yes, but he still had more to give. So I'm not against the way they did it because timing wise to let Brock Lesnar had that mo have that moment in reality, they were, they did that for what we're going to see this year at WrestleMania, right? They wanted to begin the process of building Brock up so large. He's the guy that, that took Taker's streak that when Roman defeats him this year at mania, it'll mean more. So I'm not against I, that. I, I guess the way I look at it now is, if you were booking this match a year ago and it wasn't Roman Taker, right, you can have Cena win the match and retire The Undertaker, right? Get booed, whatever comes down. Now that The Undertaker's already lost twice and he's going against John Cena, who, yeah, just recently did beat AJ Styles, but hasn't won a lot of matches recently, purposely, storyline reasons, um, you can't put Cena over here. Like, if you have this match, you need – normally you would say, okay, Taker, and, and Taker would do this because he's an industry guy, goes out on his back, retires, it's over. In this case – I think Taker has to win and go out on top so you get the fan reaction because if John Cena beats The Undertaker and he loses two years in a row and three out of four, three out of five, however long it's been, what are you doing? Well, it's like, complicated. you just ruined this guy. It's complicated because my first reaction is 
It doesn't matter. The streak's over. Cena's an aging veteran. It doesn't matter who wins, right? Unless it's Undertaker in there against Braun Strowman and you're using this as one final chance to puff up Braun for whatever he's going to do next year. It doesn't matter. You did make a good point, though. It could give them a chance to give Taker the real send-off he wants. But I think he's so business-minded, which is why he was willing to end the streak to Brock, no questions asked, that he's not going to want to go out on his back. I mean, he's not going to want to go out. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying he will want to. I so, think he, I think he's proven, as you said, with with Roman and with Brock, he's willing to go out on his back and maybe even prefers to do so. I'm saying they can't do that now. I'm saying now that you're, you're going to bring him back after what was definitely his plan to be his retirement, you have to let him go out on top to cheers. You don't, though, because I think having a match that's up to his standards is enough because he does. he's not somebody that's going to demand give me my send-off. If he was looking just for a send-off, they could have put him in there against Finn Balor if they wanted and give him a win and do a, you know, a Bray Wyatt type guy, Matt Hardy. They could have done anything like that just to get him off. I think, well, no, because those guys, no, because those guys you're going to give a rub to. John Cena does not need a rub from The Undertaker. True, but here, well, here's what John Cena does need, though. If he's going to be in the main event against Reigns next year, which is going to be a, di- a discussion we're going to have, you know, after Mania, and I think if you're just asking me, gun to my head, what do you want for next year's Mania? Uh, that That's a great main event. I would take that in a second, right? Then I don't know if you want Cena losing to 53-year-old Taker here. So I think Taker has to lose. I think that's the way it is. I think you're just going to give him a chance to have his last chance to pour out the jar. I think it's going to be a good, a decent performance from him that he'll be happy with. He'll get the send-off. He doesn't have to go, you know, slide through the hole in the, in the, in the ramp anymore and have the pile of clothes there. I think it could be more of a thank you, Taker. You deserve this. It doesn't have to take a win, but we'll, we'll have weeks to get into that. This is just sort of just the beginning of, of this looks like it's definitely happening, right? Rey Mysterio's I, not I, walking through that door. I guess where I'm coming from here is that I don't see John Cena having reached rock bottom yet. No pun intended. I don't, I don't think that he is at the depths of his loser character, the direction they're going. He's unable to win. He can't get the big one. Um, He's not able to win the title. He wasn't able to win his way into WrestleMania. I think they still have story to tell there. And having Undertaker win, get the thank you Taker chance at 10 p.m. Eastern, you know, in WrestleMania before the double main event or whatever, however you want to consider it. I just think that is the better direction to go. But on that note, if we are going to talk about this match, did I just hear something, BC? We got a DM slide from Michael Sean at REEB82. He said we killed him on a previous DM slide for suggesting that Taker is going to come back to WWE, but not as the dead man, rather as Mark Calloway for WrestleMania. He wants us to hear him out. Kid Rock's going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Who better to sing American Badass for Mark Calloway on his way into the ring at WrestleMania? Is it a horrible theory? Or is it not a dead theory yet? I have to say, uh, shout out to Michael Sean, because we did kill him. I think Nick Costos was on that episode, and he absolutely killed him. And at that point, it was like, no, get out of here. But I think we were, or I interpreted his question at that time as mean Mark Calloway, right? Like, maybe the Taker gimmick died last year in that match, so do you bring him back as mean Mark Calloway? That's still a zero, and no, but I'm going to give Michael Sean credit. If it's really just, does he come back as American Badass? Look, if you are looking to get people ultra excited about this match, Adam. And look, any Cena taker is going to get a big pop. You just played out and explained why. But if you want people to really get invested, doing one more victory lap with American Badass version of Taker is genius. You can say, yes, the dead man died already. He came back at Raw 25 to give that weird promo that meant nothing. The dead man is gone and dead. But Mean Mark's going to have one, you know, the the, the biker version is going to have one more dance in the sun. I, 
yeah, this is not a horrible theory. This this could be back, and I, I'm not a Kid Rock fan by any means, nor am I excited no. that he's in this Hall of Fame, but I will pop for this moment if he sings sings in the uh, the American Badass once more. I'll start, I'll start with the negative. The negative is you would want The Undertaker's last match to be as The Undertaker, in full garb, dead man, you know, knee, one knee on the ground, well, hand if you're up a to mark, the sky. If you're a mark for Taker, which I'm not, yes, but, I, but look, it doesn't... Well, most move. fans are. No, no, most fans like The Undertaker as The Undertaker. So... You, if it is his last match, A, that's what you would want, okay? B, he just came back as The Undertaker for Raw 25 <laughs> inexplicably for one of the worst promos of all time. However, where I like it is if you can suspend disbelief and forget that that Raw 25 promo happened, he dropped his Undertaker garb at last year's WrestleMania. And him walking in as Mark Calloway, as the American badass The Undertaker, with um, John C- you know, against John Cena with Kid Rock potentially playing his intro yes. on the WrestleMania stage coming down. It's not my favorite way to, to maybe send him off, but it really works. And it gives an excuse for last year's angle that the Undertaker, the dead man's dead and buried. And now you just have the Undertaker, the American badass. And by the way, folks, if you go on wweshop.com right now, there is a picture, an Undertaker shirt with an American flag cape <laughs> behind him. So I'm not saying that that's playing directly into this, I'm not but saying, but I'm also it. not saying. Final note, I just want to say, because like I get a lot of hate when I tweet out the picture of uh, Patrick Ewing in a Magic jersey. I get a lot of hate. Look, I'm not a taker mark. I never have been. I obviously respect what he's done to the business as a locker room leader, his longevity. He's made. He's more synonymous with WrestleMania, by the way, than anyone but Hogan like or, or Michaels. I mean, he's really like right there. There's no question about it. But I'm not a mark for him. So the idea of him coming back... In you know, in theory, doesn't move me, but I have to say, it's because I'm not a mark for him. Any version of Hulk Hogan that's gonna that's gonna walk through that door, whether it's this year or next year's Mania, or whether it was him in the knee brace in the 2000s, I popped for and was willing to accept under almost any circumstance. So that's really the ultimate difference there. I'll ride or die with Hogan. I'm not gonna ride or die with Taker. That's just me. So so keep coming with the hate on Twitter, but come on, come on, you know. I and the same thing to the fifty year old Kane fans, because they hate me too. But come on, enough is enough, Adam. I will take the ultimate thrill ride with the Undertaker. All right, moving on in the main event here. Uh let's continue on Raw. Roman Reigns earned himself a temporary suspension after calling out Vince McMahon on Raw for being basically what we said on last week's show, Brock Lesnar's bitch. I mean, that's basically what he said, and I thought that was pretty funny. Um, he forced his way through the gorilla position. Obviously, you saw Vince there. Shane was next to him, even though it's actually not Shane's job right now. Just a little extra, you know, bit for TV. Um, all in protest of Brock Lesnar not showing up on Raw again. Uh, you know, BC, I think it's can universally be said this is going in the right direction. Oh. But give me your take on the entire angle that opened Raw on Monday night. So the Cena was the biggest story of the week for me because his promos was so good, but but my feel spot of the week, the thing I enjoyed the most, unquestionably this opening segment with Reigns. Number one, when you get VKM on the screen, the property value goes up. You care you suddenly. This had that road to WrestleMania fire to it, but it also had really smart, really genius, worked, shoot, you know, writing and booking. And this is how you do it, guys. And I've heard some people, maybe it was a tweet Meltzer responded to where some people sniffed out, hey, is this a, is Paul Heyman on the inside of this? Because this this smells yes. like a Paul Heyman. Yeah, Dave said yes. Adam says yes here. I, I, obviously, it feels like it does. Where they failed last week, Adam, or maybe it was, uh, my weeks are screwed up. Or, yeah, well, last week, when Brock wasn't there and Heyman and Reigns were, and it didn't move me like it should have, they failed because 
Nothing happened, and it was just a placeholder to advertise that Brock was coming this week. Where they succeeded was even though Brock didn't come this week, it actually didn't matter because they made the storyline, you know, really juicy and made it work. Him going into Gorilla kicks the fourth wall down in ways that, that it should, that you want it to. Because look, again, this Brock Lesnar maybe going to UFC thing is a real possible reality. It's a real story. But the fact that we don't know what the real truth is, it's CM Punk's pipe bomb run all over again, right? And that's what we want. We want every week to not know what's really going on here. They accomplished that this week. Man, when Vince McMahon stood up and threw it to commercial himself, that's that that's genius, right? Like, look, obviously, I, I didn't believe that Reigns really cross the line into a shoot, but it was presented perfectly where this is the kind of wrestling I want, folks. This blurring of the lines every single week. I don't want WWE's rock star. I don't want to go back to the 80s. I love the 80s, but I don't want to go back into those days. It's a new generation. It's a new time. I rip WWE because they book too often, like it's 2004 or 2 or whatever all over again. Let's book like it's 2018 and let's do more stuff like this all the time. This was fantastic in a great way when they knew Lesnar wasn't going to be there to pretend he was and still get you to care. The point that you made that's really important here is the storyline really didn't develop this week, but we didn't care because they gave us, gave us something to invest in. The storyline didn't develop a week ago, but we didn't care because they gave us nothing to invest in going forward. They just said, Oh yeah, Brock's not here. He'll be there next. He'll be here next week. And that's the exact problem. Uh, and the juxtaposition between last week's Raw, which was terrible, they did nothing, and this week's Raw, where they did everything. the enti- Every single thing that happened on that show, with maybe the exception of one segment, I can't even think of it at this point, advanced storylines towards WrestleMania. And that's what we talked about last week. You don't have to give us a full show of it. You got to give us one. You got to give us two. It's three hours of television. You can't have me sit there and feel like I'm wasting three hours of my life. And I felt that way last week. I did not feel that way at all this week. Regarding Roman Reigns, you know, I hope we get an opportunity to speak with him before WrestleMania. Because if we do, the question I want to ask him is, that feud that you had with John Cena, how much more confidence did that end up giving you on the microphone? Because we spoke to him before that feud was over. And what we're seeing with Roman Reigns right now in, I would say, three of the last four weeks is incredibly strong mic work. And what I wonder about that is, A, is it just Paul Heyman writing his promos for him? Or B, is are they allowing him to work a little bit more off the cuff than they did in the past because there's a noticeable improvement in Roman Reigns. It's like a switch was flipped. That's not saying he's going to go to the ring and cut a 20-minute promo like The Rock, but he can go in carrying himself for three or four minutes that he never could have done this time last year. Yeah, I love that you said it felt like it was possibly a, a you know, like like they, they took the, the, the restraints off him. It felt like they took the training wheels off and gave him a couple topics and let him roll with it. And obviously, that's the reason why NJPW and, to a certain degree, ROH is so hot right now. Yeah, the, the wrestling is really stiff and we love it. The real reason is these guys get to be who they want to be, right? It's that 90s feel all over again. It's go out there and get yourself over your own way. So even if WWE... Adam isn't fully doing that. The fact that this week we believe they might be is a victory, right? The fact that that maybe uh, Vince or, or or maybe Heyman said, hey, here's a couple bullet points. Go go be Roman Reigns. Go do it yourself. Even if they didn't, we need more of that where it at least feels like it. That was a victory. The same way it was, by the way, and I don't think we're going to get into it anywhere else, but Big E on SmackDown had that same intense feel where I don't feel like he was reading words, right? I felt like he was turning back into Langston for a second and it had me fired up. 
It was so good that it even got me to suspend the disbelief that Roman Reigns would somehow believe Vince McMahon was not like he was not Vince McMahon's favorite. Like that's insane. Like he went to the ring, goes Vince loves Brock, hates me. Wait, he hates you. You've only been main eventing WrestleMania the last, you know, three, four years, whatever it's been. So like it even allowed me to suspend my disbelief to that level. And if you're going to do that, you're cutting a good promo and you're booking a good segment. So that's the best point because that's the biggest problem with Reigns getting over on the baby face. He's already over, but on the baby face level that we want is because we, we're, we're cheering for something we don't believe in, right? We, we know that he's getting pushed to the gourd, so stop making us cheer for him fighting against the authority. And you're right. They went back to the well on it, but it actually worked this time because they had the right garnish and the right ingredients. Like, this is how you do it, Montel. Come on. Fob fired up right now. It, yeah, I am too. I will say... And we're going to talk about it a little bit later when we discuss Ronda Rousey. It is getting uh, not in kayfabe, in, ser- in just being serious. It is getting tiring not having Brock Lesnar on Raw. Like I understand that this is a direction they decided to go, and they probably did not plan it this way. And maybe because of this, they get him on Monday night after WrestleMania. Who, I'm not sure. Okay, but it is getting tiring when you are moving into WrestleMania, and and I, I'm just going to spit this all out now. But we'll get into the specifics later. Brock Lesnar's not on Monday Night Raw. Ronda Rousey's not on Monday Night Raw. Triple H and Stephanie don't show up. Uh, you look at the SmackDown brand. You have the, the two biggest matches on SmackDown are four faces, no heels. It they need their. I'm not trying to poo-poo on everything, but oh, how dare Reigns, you this week? Don't even. Th- try no, no, it. but this is this is where I'm getting. This is where I'm getting. Roman Reigns this week, in terms of main eventers, single-handedly held the entire main event card in terms of captivating promos, interesting storylines, everything else. Nothing happened on SmackDown, which we'll talk about, and nothing happened with that mixed tag match on Raw. So it was completely on Roman well, Reigns to say... let's not say nothing on SmackDown, right? One of the best things of the week happened on SmackDown, but let's, you know... We'll, but we'll, not in the main... I'm talking about the main event. I'm talking about the biggest four matches at WrestleMania. Well, we don't know. We don't know yet if, if what happened on the end of SmackDown will become one of the biggest four. We'll have to wait and see, and I think that's why the, at least that was good this week. We'll get to it. But we'll I get, get okay. I hear your point, and I think though I got to spin it back to the powers of positivity. Even without those big players in place this week, right? It 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 was one of the better weeks of Raw in a while. Like this was fantastic. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying even without all those big players in place and things happening on SmackDown that I didn't like, Roman Reigns and the opening segment of Raw was so good. I'm being positive. That was so good that it carried it, and they, and that opened Raw. That didn't close Raw. Right? They didn't, Vince didn't suspend him as Raw was going off the air. That was the very first thing we saw. And yet, the rest of the show, the, la- the next two hours and 40 minutes, were still extreme quality that we're going to talk about throughout the rest of the show. Hey, one second. You know how Nick Costos uh, rips WrestleMania 33, last year's WrestleMania, a lot? And we counter back and put him back in the chair of reality and say, hey, bro, look. That's maybe, maybe one of the eighth or ninth best WrestleManias we've ever seen. And yes, despite what Nick Costos thinks, at the three-quarter mark, Adam, that mania was on pace to be one of the top three ever. So let me ask you this. Sometimes it's about how you get sent home, right? Whether you're happy or not. Had Reigns Taker been in the Flair HBK spot and Brock Goldberg had been the car wreck go-home heavyweight championship match, would we be looking at WrestleMania 33 right now as a top five mania? Um, that's a good question. Not top five, probably, just because the Taker-Reigns uh, uh, match was so disappointing, and the penultimate match on the card was that SmackDown women's <laughs> mess that they... And I was happy they moved it on the main card because of fan, fan outrage, but it never should have been in that spot, and it was just ridiculous. It was short. It was stupid. So 
you're like, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. And then we would have had an eight-minute match to close WrestleMania. So it wouldn't have vaulted it because you still need a main event that you know puts you over the top. But it would have been more exciting. It would have been a better finish. I think people really forget how great that match was with Lesnar and Goldberg. That's everything you want in a main event of a pay-per-view, BC. And moving on to the third part of our main event, this is a great segue. I don't think we set it up this way on purpose. Fastlane gave us everything you want in a pay-per-view main event with that six-pack challenge match. Yeah, I, I've got nothing negative to say about it. The only debate really is like, was it a A-plus or an A? You know, four and a half stars, whatever. I mean, it's pretty much a, a damn great A match when you have this much cluster going on. And this was booked as a cluster, yet it was successfully booked as a cluster. When I say cluster, I mean competing storylines interweaving together and wild, crazy spots and so many near falls and it, it didn't go on too long. It didn't disappoint. I mean, this was so damn good. And, you know, coming off of the fatigue we had from seeing that Fatal Five-Way the week before, from the fact that we're seeing too many of these multi-man matches, I don't know if they just sit in a room and go, yeah, you know those other times that we mailed it in? Let's not do that this week. Let's make this work and make it good. And I actually even think... They perfectly sold the fact that AJ was, was you know, up the creek here. The fact that the odds were so against him in winning this match. There were so many, you know, you could be perfect in a match like this in kayfabe and still lose when somebody just runs in and breaks up your pin. Yet he stood on the outside, timed his phenomenal forearm, and stole a victory after a bunch of pins had been broken up. I have nothing bad to say about this match. Furthered the main event storyline, made you care a lot about what was going on, the underworkings underneath, and I think it still left you with enough questions that weren't answered this week in terms of how where some of those guys are going. So, man... What else can I say? That was fantastic, and it really put the anchor on what was a card that over overachieved. You know, and it certainly exceeded our expectations. It did, and I actually sent a tweet out about it from our in this corner CBS account. I said this might be a sneaky good pay per view, and I think it's. I still think it was average altogether, but the ending really made up for a lot of the shortcomings throughout the rest of the card. That match was so good because not only was it nonstop action, the booking throughout the match. Made sense. You had Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin reigniting their feud. You had Kevin and Sammy. Um, they played. They actually played out the whole thing. You know, Sammy, hey, I'm going to lay down for you. I thought it was a little clunky, but they played it out right. They had Shane, you know, there, and I thought, oh, he might. They might. Th- someone might get thrown into him. No, he took a super kick to the face, and he, you know, got involved in the match. And when you have that happen in a six pack challenge, it almost ruins it sometimes because you're like, I don't want someone interfering and pulling pulling someone's leg who's not in the match, but it completely worked because the guy got nailed in the jaw and it was perfect booking. And then you had AJ Styles, just as you said, who you knew he was going to win. Look, we all knew he was going to win the match, right? But they took him out of the match long enough. Not that you forgot he was there, but you're like, how are they going to do it? And then boom, he pops into the ring, gets the pin and, and wins. In addition to that, and I give SmackDown production a lot of crap and I'm going to later in this show, but during this match, and, and they did miss a little of a kick in the match, that was terrible. But they had some amazing camera angles in the match. They had Owens flying off the top rope from out of screen. They had the super kick on Shane directly behind Shane. They were perfectly set up for the phenomenal forearm. And they had the great shot of Corbin nailing Ziggler into the hockey rink glass, you know, outside uh, in, in the crowd. That match, really, it's an A match. It's, it, you have that. You have that uh, fatal four-way from SummerSlam. Um, in terms of main roster, big main event matches. Last year's Elimination Chamber, yeah. Last year's Money in the Bank match. We've, we were actually on a hot run when the matches really matter, right? This is this has been a really good run there. So this, the real 
so AJ wins. He's going to fight Nakamura. We knew that already, but still going to be fantastic. The real spinoff is what's going on with KO and Sammy. And you want to talk about a SmackDown Live episode on Tuesday that for being mid-March, for being 26 days away from Mania, was completely unforgivable. And I think I remember sliding into your Slack DMs and being like, hey, I know you're not watching live. Uh, there's 10 minutes to go on the show. We need a miracle because this is basically unacceptable. This is so vanilla. It's so just unoffensive. There's nothing going on. Adam, I think they saved the show with that final segment with Shane and KO and Sammy. And it doesn't even fully make sense in the storyline to, to, for some certain elements of it because let's not forget this has been dragged on for so long. But do you feel what I'm feeling where that was so intense it had WrestleMania level, you know, violence and build that when Shane sold the hell out of getting slammed on that steel thing backstage and he's choking and caught, you know, it looks like he could be coughing up blood any second. I am there. I am in that thing because you gave me a reason to care that that supersedes how poorly you've written everything. Like I'm back. I don't even care about the previous one hour and 50 minutes because you, you did what I needed right there. You know, I think that's an insane take. Like, do I think that segment was really good? Yes, it was well done. It's telling a good story. I, they have me interested. I'm going to come back next week to see what develops with Daniel Bryan. Is he going to tag with Shane? Is he going to be a special guest referee for a triple threat? Is he just going to completely side with them and turn heel and not get in the ring but have a you know important role on the show? I am. You have me captivated. I'm interested. I'm curious about what's going to happen. So, so, what you're, so before you go, so what you're saying is what you're feeling is the cliffhanger moment. They got you with the cliffhanger right there. They got me with the cliffhanger, but what they did not do was make up for the hour 50 prior that I had to slog through <laughs> and the 18 hours prior from the prior nine weeks that I had to watch to get to this point. Brian, you cannot tell me it made up for last night's show, and you definitely cannot tell me that it came anywhere close to making up for this six-month angle with these four, and Daniel Bryan hasn't even obviously been on, been on TV for the last three weeks. All right, Daniel Bryan's the key thing here, all right? But to answer your question, no, it doesn't make up for all that, but I was looking for a reason not to hate it after tiptoeing through that whole episode and going, come on, give me something. And I, I'm just going to say that something was enough for Powers of Positivity Campbell to just be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to black out whatever just happened, and I'm going to focus on this. And the cliffhanger is the hook, and the hook to the cliffhanger, Adam, is Daniel Bryan because he wasn't that fast lane, and they didn't really explain it. They said he had a family thing, right? And he wasn't there Tuesday night. Now, the storyline advancement was that Shane's going to take a temporary leave of absence, whatever that means, from Commissioner, and that Daniel Bryan will be back next week. And I think from what happened here, everyone that tweeted at me goes, oh, wow, now it's going to be Shane and Daniel Bryan in a tag team match. I don't think so, Adam. I don't, because Daniel Bryan had played heel supporter this whole time. And I think the elephant in the room on this Bryan situation is his real-life contract situation. You and I sort of threw some sentences at each other back and forth, basically saying, is there any chance him not being on TV? was because it, there's uncertainty about his contract, and if he's not going to come back, then why would they feature him in some big match, which would only in some ways serve as an advertisement for wherever he's going to go next, right? If he's going to join the revolution, then if you give him a match and he looks great, people are going to get excited to go to whatever product he goes to. Are we reading too far into that? We don't actually know, but do you put any solace or any stock in the fact that Daniel Bryan told Sports Illustrated on January 3rd that if I don't have a match by WrestleMania, you probably, I probably never will. Like you'll probably never see me wrestling again in WWE. Or are these same thoughts weighing down on where you think this might be going? Well, I think that's true. I don't think WWE would be concerned with him wrestling at Mania 
and then leaving. If he gets cleared to wrestle in WWE, I think he's made it pretty clear he's staying in WWE and he should want to. Like as good as he might be on the independence, Daniel Bryan comes back. If he is able to wrestle, he's back as either a main eventer or a mid-card totally over title holder in WWE or even a GM like Angle who occasionally wrestles. They say, hey, look, we're going to clear you to wrestle, but we don't want you going crazy. Like you'll wrestle five or six yeah, times. No a house year. shows. So bro. no house shows. No house shows, right? Um, so I don't. I'm not worried about that at all. But it is. It has tempered down. And listen, Meltzer keeps saying, "Look, as of two weeks ago, he hasn't been cleared." You know, so on and so forth. And, and that's like the type of dirt that I am curious to know because it does matter, right? If Daniel Bryan's cleared or not cleared, that's different. That's news to me. See, um, I, I want to be virgin. I want to go. I don't. don't but, you know, I don't want the mess. Well, my point, Tease that back. Keep teasing point, it. My point here is this, though. The only resolution of this angle, had this been a two-month angle, right, and Daniel Bryan's a special guest referee and, and that's the match they have for a triple threat with the other three guys, that's fine. This has not been a two-month angle. We have been watching this for six months, and for months at a time, it's gone absolutely nowhere. And if you want, if you're going to tell me that that's all worthwhile and you're going to pay all of that boring television off, the only way it can pay off is with Daniel Bryan in the ring. That's it. Yeah, you know that is a strong point because I'm I'm willing to overlook some things to get excited about Mania because they do tend to repair things for Mania and make you forget that they just things fell apart. But does he have to wrestle for that to matter? It's interesting. I like though, just straight up as a fan, Adam, that I don't know exactly where it's going. I don't feel like it's going to be Shane and Daniel against these two heels. I thought as of three days ago it was definitely going to be KO and Sammy at Mania. Now it's like, what are we really doing? Is it just going to be Daniel Bryan as some form of guest referee? Is it going to be Shane and somebody else against? these heels is going to be a triple threat well so well let's let's sort of peel one 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 other layer back did can't uh cammy wow i just pulled an aj did cammy ko and sammy storyline wise fool shane mcmahon and ultimately fool us in terms of them being enemies or is like what what does what does this really mean i don't think so i mean they in theory could play it off that way but i'm going to use the word i think it's just convoluted booking I, gotta, I don't I think they know what they're doing. I don't think I don't think and look, there's people calling for Road Dog to be fired as lead writer of SmackDown. I don't call for people's jobs. I never will. I don't think it's fair. I would never want someone saying Adam Silverstein should be fired either from the Union Corner podcast or CBS Sports, right? I, I don't want anyone to lose their job. Hey, you're not but, taking food off of his kid's table. Let's I'm not taking yeah, right. But I don't think it's out of line in any way to question the writing on SmackDown as it has been for the last Nine months, and a lot of it, yes, they're hamstrung, right? The superstar shakeup screwed the blue brand over. We know this. But, Brian, there are small things that we could do, and we'll talk about the, all the other rivalries throughout the show today, but there's small things you can do to write these individual storylines better, yeah. and they're not doing any of them. It's not good. It doesn't make sense at all. And so I'm more – we stay in the how a lot. You know, like how could they do this to us? I've been trying to get us into the why, but I don't think we have answers. It's a problem. We don't know why it has been like this. There are people going crazy now. There's even signs, right, like Fire Road Dog and all that. And I, I want to play this song because I'm not sure everybody heard it. Road Dog was on Renee Young's live Instagram show on Monday called Backstage Pass that, that she records right before the start of Raw. She pulled him out of the writer's room and, and asked him what he was doing. And here's their conversation. What's happening in this room back here? This is the nerdery. Okay. Where we retire Yeah. Uh, to the nerdery. And then we try to, Come on, type, yeah. we try to type things. People are warriors. Yeah, I'm going to go in when we're done here uh -huh. and try to commit Harry Carey on the show. <laughs> I'm going to try to kill that for all you Oh, got you. 
Insta Smarts. Hey, hell of a night last night at Fastlane, huh? Great night, Ooh. great night. And uh, did, did, did the people on social media thank you for that? No. Of course not. No, no, no. no, no, no. You only hear bad stuff. Hashtag fire road dog. Thank you guys. No, people are rude. Okay, everyone. Uh, Okay, and then at the end of their conversation when they say goodbye, this is what Road Dog said. Thank you for having me. I'm going to go back in here and kill SmackDown. So, Adam, this got you fired up because it's like Road Dog, who you're, I guess you're identifying as the cause of your pain, putting his hand right back into your, your anti-feel spot and, and twisting it around and putting it back in your face. Is that true or false? So I'm not saying he's the cause of my pain because we're not there. And they are, you know, there's something to be said for we don't know if his ideas are amazing and Vince is saying no we're doing it okay, so that's my way instead that would have been okay. my counterpoint that don't but, miss don't necessarily misdirect the hostilities toward him when every WWE writer who does a podcast that got fired says you have to keep your job you have to write things you think Vince will like not write things you think will get over well I'm so I'm I'm with you though I'm telling fans don't call for this guy's head to be fired it, that's but that doesn't mean that we can't say that the product that in which he's leading is terrible you can like I'm a Miami Dolphins fan right I think Adam Gase is a great head coach and will be a great head coach for the Miami Dolphins the team was terrible last year that doesn't mean I can't say Adam Gase either did a terrible job or the Miami Dolphins were bad and he was the leader of that team now damn you it, support no, Adams it, ride or die right Adam X Parsons it, Adam Gase you're it, all over these guys yeah, is it is it the is it the vice president of of you know personnel's problem that the roster was terrible for the Dolphins? Yeah, that's who is actually at fault. But Adam Gates is the public face of it. He's the head coach of the team. We know Road Dog is the lead writer for SmackDown. So here's my problem with what Road Dog said. Um, and I'm gonna before I even say that, I love Renee's show. I actually gave her a shout out on Twitter. Not that that means anything coming from me. Her show's great. It starts 15 minutes before Raw and SmackDown on Instagram. It's just fun. It's behind the scenes but not too behind the scenes. Watch it. It's great. Anyway, I thought the interview with Road Dog was funny. He cracked some really good jokes. I like him, BC. I know he follows you on Twitter. He seems like oh, a really good guy. Oh, he don't follow me anymore, by the way, since I ripped Bray oh, really? Wyatt's booking on SmackDown last year. He Remember, remember <laughs> that little dust up? He, he hit the unfollow button. But I'm not mad at him. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, no. So <laughs> I didn't know that. That's really funny. Um, so he seems like a nice guy. It looks like he's turned his life around. Obviously, he had some issues with, I think, prescription drugs or alcohol. I'm not sure what it was. I don't want to talk out of school here. And I'm, I love the fourth wall bait breaking, right? Saying, hey, didn't, didn't I make up for everything? Here's the problem. It was disingenuous, right? He has to know it's bad. He has to know. And whether it's his fault or not, he has to know. And giving us a great main event at Fastlane, which it was, doesn't make up for the rest of that show being crap, doesn't make up for the last 20 hours of SmackDown TV I've watched being crap. It's disingenuous. It's not fair for him to come out and say to, to fans that actually care about the product, hey, I gave you a... 20 minutes of awesomeness that's going to go make up for a thousand hours of crap. That's fair, yeah. I, I don't accept that, no. That's fair that he's clowning it. it. It actually makes you believe that he doesn't know it's bad. You're right. It, it, it straight up makes you believe that he doesn't know it's bad, that he's having fun saying, you know, oh, you guys won't give me credit. when You know, yeah, it, it's, it stinks. BC, like, what's your, like, favorite TV show of all time? Uh, my favorite TV show of all time is The Wonder Years. I don't know if that works in this regard. It doesn't. I was looking for like a drama, but okay. Let's say let's say you watched right. right pa parenthood. The Recent years, the uh, the Wire or Parenthood. All right, how about that? Okay, Parenthood, perfect example, right? Parenthood. Every single week on that show, something happened, and it was crazy. I watched it too. It was out. It was really out of control that that show, and that's a whole other topic that I'm happy to talk about on Twitter, right? But if every week you watched Parenthood and nothing happened, and then after 20 weeks of TV, someone got a new job, right, and 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 moved across the country. Right. And that's a big storyline development. You're going to say this show sucks. 
nothing happened for 20 weeks. And then at the very end, they gave me a really cool storyline about a guy, you know, working for a sports team in California. Like, that's what SmackDown is right now. It's bad television. We're not talking about it from even a booking standpoint or a match standpoint for WrestleMania. They're giving us the matches we want. We're getting AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. We're getting Asuka and Charlotte Flair. Those are great. But you're not entertaining us on a weekly basis. Yeah, and I, I can't if you that. watch wrestling, you watch it for athleticism and entertainment. I can't argue. I can't defend that. SmackDown is still bad TV, even with that last good 10 minutes. But you mentioned Renee Young's backstage pass being great on Instagram. That's really good TV. It's too good TV, Adam. And I think... I fear that it's going to get taken away and canceled like Talking Smack was. This is so off the cuff, this backstage pass. I mean, the Tuesday episode this week before SmackDown Live had Nia Jax talking about how Byron Saxton's so weird. He's like, uh, gets gets off on her toes and cooks her all the Like, it was, it gets a little, it gets so much that I don't know if you heard the entire well, Renee Young and Road Dog interview, but he was talking about how he gave her tips because she couldn't sleep, and it went in this direction. You know what helped me Ooh. prior to the rehab was snorting Ambien. I, mean, I don't know if that's. <laughs> I don't. I mean, you can't say that. Oh, you can't. I bet. I, bet. I didn't know. What it was. I thought this was like the third hour in a row. We could say things. Uh... I mean, I guess it kind of is. <laughs> Adam, as soon as the the higher ups hear that sound drop, we may get that really good show taken away from us. I mean, possibly. Like, I've I've li- I've watched every edition that she's done. I think it's been like three or four weeks now. This week's were the most if you want to call them controversial, possibly Vince Irking. Oh, this is the first time I watched. I, this is the first week I've watched. Oh, it, most so. of them have been pretty benign. I will say the Byron Saxton thing, they've done, they did it on uh ride along on WWE network. They talked about it with Nia. So I don't think that was so out of school. Certainly road dog saying that caught Renee off guard. Come on, road they dog, joked like, about it. Oh, you didn't know road dog. <laughs> Your posterior better contact someone at once. <laughs> Shout out to Damien Sando on that. And one. this goes to show, by the way, if you if you watch the Road Dog interview, I, I'm really not trying to crap on Road Dog. The guy's great, man. He's really entertaining. He's funny. I think I, it's fair for me to say for both of us, we like Road Dog, but there's no way that we can support what's happening on SmackDown. We can't. But just to close on that whole SmackDown conversation, I give Shane McMahon a lot of crap, but every time I think I'm done with him, Adam, he pulls me back in. He pulled me back in last year at Mania with AJ. He pulled me back in this week. Shane O'Mac, you still got it. He's, you know, he's, he's for life. He's got it. He's got that skill. He knows how to entertain when it matters most. One thing I know that we don't have on the rest of the show, I'm just going to slide it in really quick. Uh, Randy Orton winning the U.S. title at Fastlane. Did, do you think that was the correct move and did it do anything for you that match or or anything they did Tuesday night on SmackDown? So they give away the the, WrestleMania level reveal of Orton becoming Grand Slam champion uh, in a meaningless spot on Fastlane. And then they have the same segment on SmackDown this week with the three of them and that feud that nobody cares about. Every week, one of the three of them watches the match from outside the ring and then runs in and hits their finisher, quote-unquote, out of nowhere. Stop. Uh, Enough. We can't talk about this anymore, Adam. I'm too upset. Come on. All right. Well, I totally agree, and thank you for indulging me on SmackDown, letting me get that off my chest. It really needed to happen, BC. Now we can move on to your favorite segment of the show, Hero or Zero. All right, let's kick it off with a different big dog on Raw, Braun Strowman, who earlier in the night on Monday demanded an opportunity to fight and compete at WrestleMania and then gave himself that opportunity by entering the Raw Tag Team Battle Royal, single-handedly winning it 
setting up what we believe is going to be a two-on-one tag team championship handicap match against the bar. Now, you're going to go first, as always, with your hero or zero. But I just want to want to make this known that I got a tweet that assumed I was going to hate this. I can't wait to hear what Silver King has to say about it. Well, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer because it starts with BC, hero or zero. Massive hero. And I could bonus DM slide you about 17 that I've received on Twitter and DM arguing the other half. Here's what you people have to understand. Let's be honest here, okay? Braun Strowman you could argue, should be in the universal title picture at WrestleMania. He's not. They've chosen the the uh, Reigns and Brock storyline to be bigger. So every other booking outside of Braun versus Cena or Braun versus Undertaker is a step back, a legitimate step back. Like, I would have been fine Braun versus Elias because they're both hot guys on the way up, but it's a step back. This is creative booking to not make it look like it's a step back, to play on the themes you've already established, that Braun is this unbelievable massive giant who if you try to pin him with four guys in an elimination chamber, he's going to kick out and throw all four in opposite directions of the ring. So all the people are DMing me. And look, I mean, I've got so many. I don't even have to read their names. There's so many. Are they negative? Are they negative? They're DMs? negative saying this makes a mockery of the Raw tag team division. This ruins all those other teams. It does not, folks, for exactly the reason I said last week the raw tag team division does not have an a-side team gallows and anderson could be a-sides they're not right now and the bar who we love are not a-sides you know who's an a-side do you know who has it braun Strowman is an a-side genius booking when you had nothing for him if you put him in that andre the jobber battle royal it's a step down that's mojo country all right that's not for braun Strowman. put him in there a he doesn't have to win the match he just has to be in it. And B, should you put someone next to him, whether creative or not, from here until Mania, it's still a victory. That other person could be anyone, right? Elias, Jason Jordan, James Ellsworth. It could be anybody. And it's a victory and a hero all the way. So all you people on t Twitter trying to protect the sanctity of the Raw Tag Team Division, stop. There's no Tag Team Division. It's a bunch of B-sides. I just costosed you, all of you. Listen, listen to the damn truth. You are exactly correct. Yes. This is a super duper supernova hero. This is the best thing that WWE has done with Braun Strowman in months. And outside of the Reigns rivalry and, and the, and the Lesnar rivalry, right. That we had a couple months ago, this might be the best thing they've ever done with him besides that. And the one thing you're wrong about BC, no, he can't lose Braun Strowman either solo or with a Patsy, you know, tag team partner needs to win the WWE Raw hey, Tag Team titles at WrestleMania. And I understand why you guys thought I would hate this, right? Because what did I say a couple weeks ago? I hated the idea of KO and Sammy possibly being co-WWE champions. Well, let me tell you something. That's the WWE Championship. It's the number one title in this business. It would have been ridiculous for, those, for there to be a co-champions and for those guys to be them. This is the Raw Red Belt Tag Team Champion. This title means nothing. What it means something for is a guy who has never held a title in WWE who probably should have had one of some sort this entire year. I thought a Braun Miz match at WrestleMania would have been great because I thought giving Braun the Intercontinental title is something, right? Yes, he's a heavyweight. He should be a world titleist, but that would have been cool. This is even better because having two tag team titles held by one dude is the pinnacle. Like You're not going to get <laughs> better great. than that great putting over a dude except for a heavyweight title. 
what I also hate about what you said, BC, is you stole my. I mean, I'm I'm not saying it was my idea, but I was gonna bring up James Ellsworth. Like I know he's independent, he's doing stuff now with some intergender tag team title, but bronze over bringing back James Ellsworth would have been so over. And if they end up going that direction, that's incredible. But they could literally bring in anyone, a former star, an old dude, a woman, anything, and just put them next to Brock. He never tags them in or maybe accidentally does for a minute then has to you know, save it, whatever. You let Braun wrestle 90% of the match um, it, with a partner or 100% by himself. He needs to win the tag team titles hey, at WrestleMania. Should have been Rousey then, right? Should have been Rousey. You want to do stuff there? That would have been cool. Have... Hey, by the way, James Oathworth should come back in this tag match, and then later in the show, you know what he should do? He should run in and block Carmella's cash-in attempt against Asuka. Yeah, there Boom. you have it right there. Adam, hero or zero? Number two, inaugural women's Royal Rumble winner, the aforementioned Asuka, ended up choosing Charlotte at Fastlane for her WrestleMania opponent. Hero to zero whether this is deserving of legitimately being called a dream match in the women's division. Um, it's a zero. It's not a dream match. Whoa, it's a whoa, very, whoa. no, it's not. It's just not because there's never been an occasion where you've really said to yourself, the match I want to see specifically is Oscar Charlotte Flair. The match that we want to see at WrestleMania is Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks. And that's being kept away from us, held away from us. We want to see Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch. We're not getting that. We want to see, Sasha Banks Bailey, we might get that, or they may be in this women's battle royal that we'll talk about in a little bit and be an offshoot storyline that maybe they continue coming out of that. Those are the matches we Charlotte, Charlotte Flair Bailey. Those are the matches we want to see. I love Asuka. I think she's the best women's wrestler in the company, but her with any of these other people, maybe with the exception of Bailey, did she beat Bailey for the title in NXT? Yes. Okay, so with the exception of she that choked match, her unconscious, which was great booking. Choked her unconscious. Right. So outside of that, which has storyline background that you can bring into it, that would be a dream match for WrestleMania involving no, Asuka. No, 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 nothing else to me. Nothing else to me with her is a dream match. Although I think they're amazing matches, and I want to see them, and I love her. But the term is getting overused to a disgusting degree right now by WWE. There are dream matches: Roman Reigns, John Cena, dream match; Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles, great match, not a dream match; AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura in the WWE ring, dream match. So. Not not everyone's a Hall of Famer. Not every match between two people that you want to see is a dream match. So that's why it's a zero. Right, I don't I don't disagree with your last statement, but I do disagree with your whole premise that this is somehow not a dream match. You you kind of made your own point. You said Asuka is the great the best worker female wise in the whole company. She's arguably one of the you know best wrestlers in the entire company, male or female. That makes it a dream match alone when you consider they've kept her unbeaten for two plus years for a reason for a moment like this. And Charlotte, outside of Rousey, who, who's new, is their biggest star as a female. That makes it a dream match. And shout out to them this week. On SmackDown Live for at least trying to sell that by saying Charlotte has been around the world and everybody, you know, said when are what would it look like if you fought Oscar? I thought that was a, a very well written line. Whoa, whoa, because- whoa, whoa, whoa! So you're giving wait. So you're not only giving this a hero that it's a dream match, but you're giving the build a hero as well. No, I'm giving that line this week in that otherwise okay. awful and vanilla stare down between the two of them, which made me cringe. That line I liked. This is a dream match from the moment Asuka was main eventing at NXT and we all fell for her. I know I was saying, man, imagine if she can get to the main event level at WrestleMania against Charlotte. I know this is not the main event, but yes, this is well done. Uh, look, I get that you don't think it's a dream match, but you obviously popped like I did Sunday night that this became official. Am I correct in saying well, that? Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I expected it to happen and I'm happy it's happening and it's the match I want. Like it's the, it's the match I want to see at WrestleMania, but you're not going to 
sell me on every single match between two people that we want to see being a dream match. I think this is the the first dream match in in women's wrestling history. I think this is. I think I'm all stay I'll stand on that mountaintop. I will. Don't try to act like you didn't pop Sunday night. I'm not saying it was No, I'm not saying I, I don't put words in my mouth. I'm not saying that at all. I'm fully involved in, I, in the match is a hero, right? I don't think it main events WrestleMania, but it's a hero. I want to see this all match. Right, right. I'm I just extreme, to... when this match comes on the card, when this match when we're sitting in New Orleans and this match happens, I put my phone down. I'm watching the entire match. I'm not looking away. I'm ready for this match. I do not buy it being called and you know termed a dream match. And is that nitpicking that people accuse me of all the time? Maybe, but that's the hero zero question you gave me. I'm answering what's on the test, right, teacher. Would, oh, that's wow, what I'm wow, giving to you right wow, now. Wow, wow. Would you have, uh, final note on this, would you have Mick, liked Mick underscore Johnston's theory of booking it, have Charlotte win the title at SmackDown as soon as she came there over Naomi? So then you have Charlotte with the belt for more than a year against unbeaten Asuka. With that had made it a dream match for you. And by the way, shout out, Mick did give a nice little rip to the welcoming committee in his DM slide. He said we wouldn't have had the welcoming committee. But would that have changed anything for you? That still doesn't make it a dream match for me. But yeah, that would be better booking. I mean, look, look, this isn't a a main event, but I really do want to talk about it. This is being booked terribly. Like, where's the, who's the heel? Why isn't Asuka wearing a suit? You don't need a heel at the time. Not, not when there's two two big ones. You, uh, Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns in Fastlane 2015 didn't need to be heel versus heel, right? The two main events of SmackDown are four faces. Uh, yeah. I mean, I got more problems with the Nakamura side of things, but we'll, we'll, we will get to that. We will. Here, here's what I'm saying. Asuka is a badass. Charlotte as a heel is better as a heel than she is a face. Both of them are better heels. And yeah. neither of them are going to be their best. The best version of themselves. I feel like they made that decision because they debuted Asuka on Raw, and because Bliss was the heel champion, they had to make her a face to get the people to like her. And now they're, uh, you know, I don't need I don't need anyone to be a heel. I'm fine. Let me Maybe. ask you this: Tuesday night, this past Tuesday night, right? They do the exact same segment. Charlotte turns her back instead of Randy Orton and a male superstar for the second straight week, the U.S. champion interrupting a women's segment, which made no sense. Again, SmackDown production terrible. Instead of that happening, Charlotte turns her back to leave the ring. Oscar knees her in the back, taps her out yeah, in the Oscar. The ending was horrible. The ending was abrupt. The no, but, but was... I'm saying the, the booking I'm giving you right now, they do that. All right. And I don't even week... think, but I don't think you had to go that far. Even if there was a Oscar tapping her on the back and pump faking a punch like I could have done it would have been better for Okay. Me. But but again, okay. look, I'm not here to I'm, look. I'll crap when I need to crap. All right, somebody can make a soundbite out of that. I'll crap when I need to crap. I don't need to crap right now because Oscar Charlotte moves me, and that's the bottom line. I'm fired up. Put up. All right, we'll move on, but put Asuka in a damn suit. Let her be the badass she was in NXT. You're ruining her. All right, BC, number three here in Hero Zero. That was a long number two. Wow, you got announced... to find some silver lining, Silver Cloud. Come on, come on, Silver King. Hey, I, I've been po- you're, you're making me sound – I think you're making me sound actually more negative than I really have been today. I am down for what's happening at Wrestle- on the way to WrestleMania, but, man, SmackDown's terrible. I'm not going to let it go. Okay, something else that is probably terrible. WWE <laughs> announced an inaugural 20 women Fabulous Moolah, fabulous Moolah, sorry. Uh, Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania 34, and it has absorbed, by it I mean WWE, an ungodly amount of hard losses on social media. BC, hero or zero, to whether this criticism is deserved. Dude, WWE is taking some hashtag L's. Like, a lot of them. Like, you said fabulous. Y'all can't deny it. Fabulous style. The WWE <laughs> is going down a dark road, and it is a 100% deserved. This is a hero, the reaction of the fans. This is 
100% a tone-deaf decision by WWE. I, look, I'm not saying every single rumor against, you know, Moolah is true, but there's a long documented history of really bad things that she did. The years of, of acting like a pimp of women's wrestling, of cutting, you know, 25, 30% of people's checks from them, of doing some really bad things. So... It's not that I'm against doing anything positive for Moolah. It's that I'm against the way they're doing it. In the midst of their women's evolution, they are putting through this match during the same 12-month stretch that we do in inaugural Royal Rumble, inaugural Money in the Bank, inaugural everything for women. You're going to roll this battle royale, which, by the way, means nothing because there's nothing at stake, and you're going to present her as someone who was a positive in the women's revolution when every single wrestler who's done a shoot interview that's been under her will tell you that she's the exact opposite. This is so tone deaf and it cuts right into the heart of what WWE's trying to get across as being progressive to females right now. And if you're WWE, you're entering mania season where there's going to be a lot of media opportunities. And inevitably, this question is going to keep coming up. They could have fixed it by not having the match. They could have fixed it by naming the match after anyone else. Alundra Blaze, Sherry Martell, Mae Young for the second time, and, and maybe there's skeletons in her closet. I don't know. Anyone else. If you're going to keep Hulk Hogan away, and what he did was very bad, by the way, then you have to keep, for now, Moolah's memory away, or at least not make it this prominent. When I heard Carmella this week on SmackDown Live say, quote, I am the modern-day Moolah, a trailblazer, end quote, during her selfie promo, I cringed and eye rolled. Like, do they just not get it, Adam? Do they like what? Like, what is going on here? I mean, the, what you just laid out there is really is most of mostly all that needs to be said. They WWE is so smart about certain things. They really think things through, and equally, they're so dumb about so many other things, and they don't think them through. They're not just honoring Moolah with the match. They're presenting her akin to Andre the Giant. They have Andre the Giant trophy and a fabulous, fab, I keep saying fabulous. And by the I way, do, kayf like kayfabe why she is Andre. She held the belt for like 27 years. Okay. But but, okay. but again, there, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it one way and not the other. You know what I mean? Like that's You can't do it. So not that's one thing. And by the way, everything that BC kind of alluded to, it's alleged right now. So I want to make that clear for legal reasons, allegedly. Um, but it, it's it's tone deaf on one hand. On, on another hand, as you mentioned, it's completely unnecessary. They just had the first ever women's Royal Rumble. You don't need to have a battle royal at WrestleMania. Yeah. Have another women's singles match. At the very like, least, it's ignorant because it's inviting negative criticism when it doesn't need to be there. Even if Mola, Mula didn't do any of that stuff, Adam. Right. Even if it's all alleged, just the hint of it. Right. They tore down Joe Paterno's statue for a reason right now. Right. And now we're erecting one for Moolah. Like, uh, how, like, how dare you? Like, do you not get it? The what's incredible is even if a lot of the more explicit things that she's been accused of, let's say all of those are false. Right. Let's just let's say that she held down women in Hulk Hogan like fashion and other People, you know, like Hulk Hogan, booking wise, as, oh, as the strongest. Okay, champion. how dare you? Don't don't bring Terry into this. No, 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 no. I am in 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 such a manner that her holding the title for that many days that wasn't necessarily planned. She forced WWE by lying to promoters, and this is again alleged. But I'm talking about the least explicit stuff that she's alleged to have done. 
to literally hold back other women from succeeding yeah, they, in wrestling. They she get blackballed. Them. I mean, there, there was a before the Montreal screw job, right? It was it was it Wendy Richter who got held down and pinned. Right. Yeah, Wendy Richter, she she kind of messed with Luna Vachon for a while. So even if you throw out the worst of the things Mula is accused of, the best of, not best, the less horrible things that she's been accused of are still terrible. And you should not be honoring someone with this. You're right, man. Mae Young, Alundra Blaze. You just put Alundra Blaze in the Hall of Fame. You don't want to call this the Alundra Blaze or Alundra Trailblazing Battle Royal or, or something else. She's your like somewhat homegrown talent. Use her. The fact that they did this, it's just inexcusable. Look, I, really I'd rather is. them name it after Steph, and there's still problems with her own legacy as a women's trailblazer in certain ways, but I'd rather them have done it. Uh, Linda. Yeah, Linda. Linda. You know, we got to move on here. Adam Hero Zero, number four. Nia Jackson Raw found out the truth about her best friend slash enemy now, Alexa Bliss, kickstarting what looks like to be a potentially juicy WrestleMania feud. After Nia tore the place up on Raw, hero or zero on Monday's developments? Uh, it's a hero. I mean, she's not like most girls, and this is not like most storylines. I think <laughs> I, I – Well played, I well overplayed. played. I overplayed my hand there. Um, I like – I've always liked Nia. I think she should have been to this point booked more dominant than she has been. But they are giving her an opportunity to really turn all of that around, obviously face Bliss at WrestleMania, potentially – be the new WWE Women's Champion, and I don't know that we can ask for more than that. I mean, if you if you did watch the Renee Young thing that we're talking about, she was just herself on there, and she was funny, and she's good on the mic. She's really good in the ring. I don't like that she doesn't have a finisher. But outside of that, this was a hero of a storyline. Two weeks in a row, they're doing something very good on Raw with the women's division, and yes, it is coming at the expense of, of Banks and Bayley not being in the title picture and maybe potentially not even having a match at WrestleMania, being in this battle royal, but... It's a hero, man. I, yeah, I enjoyed it very much. A monster hero. Like, not much more to say. I mean, they get you to care emotionally about the storyline. And I'll give a shout-out to Nia Jax. With the, from the crying to then turning it on to, like, craziness of ripping suitcases apart. Uh, you know, she's her acting-wise, she's getting there. Like, she sold this. I care about this. It was like Mean Girls. I want to see Lindsay Lohan get her come up in a tear. I mean, this is, this is how you do it, Harry. This is pretty good stuff. And Alexa Bliss is being a mean girl and a chicken crap heel, which is her best. Like, she... Even though she's small, she hasn't really been portrayed as a chicken crap heel. Yeah, she's tried to get Nia and Mickey to help her, but she wins matches clean. And that's good, right? They haven't booked her in a way where she always has to cheat to win. I like her being completely scared of Nia, running away from her. I hope they never even touch each other until WrestleMania. And it's just built up aggression time after time, and she torments her more. I really like the way this is going. BC, let's close out Hero Zero. Talking about last weekend's Ring of Honor 16th anniversary pay-per-view in Las Vegas, and people, believe it or not, I actually put this one on the rundown. This is not BC. So it, he obviously gets to talk yeah, about it with, first. But with the caveat of meh from, from Adam Silverstein. I did say meh, but I put it down. Hey, you got to give me credit for putting it down as a suggestion today, right? Uh, all right, all right. I mean, I know. You, you, you know didn't I mean? have to do it. Are quick, you, quick, are you, you all in? Is that what you're saying? I'm all in. Are you all in, I think that, uh, Come on, Brandy. No, Brandy. No, Brandy. I'm not all in. But, but Kenny Omega was revealed during this show as Barry the Drug-Free Bear. He attacked Cody Rose after the main event hit him with the V-trigger, and then Brandy surprised him in the ring with a passionate kiss that left him covered in lipstick as a way to get back at Kota Ibushi. BC, hero or zero for what happened specifically, storyline-wise, at this show and, and in the main event. Yeah, H hero. I mean, the, the reveal, the crowd popped. The reveal was great. It, it further, you know, it, it keeps along the storyline of Kenny versus Cody as we head into April 7th, you know, the night before Mania. But I think overall, though, 
I have to give this a hero, and this is something we didn't really touch on. I mean, you're seeing a lot of YouTube videos get spread around on social media of just how great this story, this Mega Powers S story, but almost in reverse, of the Golden Lovers is, right? Of of Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega finally coming back together. Go watch that really long YouTube one if anyone hasn't. I don't even know what it's called, but search for it. That shows literally their history back to DDT in Japan to get back to this point. I mean, it's emotional. It's great. And there's more than a little teases to the fact that Golden Lover's name might actually be true. And you know what? This is a hero in 2018 for the way they're respectfully presenting a possible homosexual angle in pro wrestling that, you know, outside of Chuck and Billy, right, which was a whole different era, how does stuff like that, you know, we don't have stuff like that. This is put in a way where it works and the crowd is receiving it and it's respectful and maybe it needs something like a Kenny Omega on that star level to have a progressive angle like this and make it work. But you know what? It's working, and it's working in a way that even in 2018, I don't think WWE can pull off, and I think that's why they don't attempt to try to pull off. And this is not just a great feud from Kenny and Cody being former you know, guys on top of the Bullet Club who were always a little uneasy, but now these extra layers of Brandy kissing Kenny to get back at Coda, and, like, and then if you watch Being the Elite, which this week's confrontation episode was fantastic, they expand on the storyline more, and there's some good jokes in there with Flip Gordon afterwards about, you know, Kenny in that kiss, and I, I, I just can't be more happy about what they're doing here, and this is a very touchy area adam in wrestling you know we don't talk about it a lot on this show but if this is true and what they're presenting i think they're presenting it respectfully this is fantastic yeah i think they're doing a great job and it's definitely a massive hero um with wwe just with you having mentioned it they don't it's not that they don't do homosexual angles they don't do any sexual angles like the the braun alexa bliss tease that they've recently had on the mixed match challenge on facebook so not even on tv is the only thing they've really done and also sorry naya and enzo um, but that really didn't get that deep. Those are the only things they've really done, teasing sexual tension between you know women and men on the roster or anyone on the roster. So WWE is really st- completely staying away from this. And maybe it's part of the PG product and they're just not even trying to dip their toe into it. And maybe it's them saying, well, you know, it is 2018. And if we go this way, we may have to go this way too. And maybe yeah. it won't get well-received. Um, but, but I don't think they're equipped to tell that story. You know, I, don't, I just don't think they are. I don't think they are either. And the one, you know, obviously open homosexual uh, wrestler that they did have in Darren Young was not equipped on the mic or, well, you know, talent talent wise, in my opinion, to, to tell such a story. Well, I think they could have because he's a like a, a huge pillar in the community. Like he was a big part of their face to go out, you know, make a wish and all that type of stuff, you know, to be a, a front facing person. I think that was an untapped area. But like, we, but, but like we can't get we cannot get WWE to properly write AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura. How are we going to get them <laughs> to properly write uh, a Golden Lovers, uh, you know, potential homosexual tag team angle like it's, by the way when the golden lovers came back together in that great moment a couple months ago and, and all the streamers were falling like i don't care what your social you know views are you're moved right so when you do anything right and respectfully it's going to work they made this work like a home run i care i care big time all right yeah, yeah for sure real quick side topic here um it was announced i think in a press release if i remember correctly or something that chris jericho is is either again announced or rumored to be joining WWE in April for this greatest Royal Rumble card in Saudi Arabia. You know how I feel about that, BC. It places his future in the quote-unquote revolution in question. Does it for you if he shows up at this, or will you almost have it akin to 
him showing up on Raw 25 as a one-off appearance, and you're not really that concerned about what if, it means for the long-term. Yeah, it, you, you, you nailed it. It, meant more, it felt more like a Raw 25 because you know Jericho smarts as a businessman. You know he's opportunistic. This is a great opportunity to probably make some good money and go, go be a part of a big event. It does open the door back up for the great Adam Silverstein prediction that he will be one and done in the revolution outside of his own cruise and will be back in WWE, and that is possible. But I think it's more like there's nothing for him right now in NJPW for whatever reason, maybe it's contract related, maybe it's, you know, creative related. Uh, I think this is what we're going to see. I think this is where Chris Jericho wants to be. He wants to be that free agent who can come and go how he pleases. So this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I do think now through the cruise, he, he keeps that role. If, but if they put this on the network and they're talking about putting the greatest Royal Rumble on the network, because in the initial press release, they said broadcast information will be provided at a later date. So if they do, and Chris Jericho is in a match on the WWE network, I don't know if he come, goes back to NJPW in June for Dominion. And if he doesn't go back in June, I don't know that he ever goes back. The thing I'm is, though, let's say he doesn't go back in June, and let's say he even appears in WWE again. As long as he doesn't sign anything exclusive, that does not mean he would not come back. Seriously, at like Russell Kingdom next year, because that's who he is. He wants to be that guy who catches you off guard at every turn. I agree with that, but I also think there's a difference for Vince between saying okay, you're not under contract, go do what you want. I, I trust you and support you and, you know, go ahead if, if that's what you think is best for your career and saying, okay, you know, we're going to book some storylines with you over the next year. Oh, no, you want to go do an NJPW event? Sure, go do that in the middle that's of true. your WWE run. So I, I think, I think the we're, second time we're, around, he's not going to be as lenient. Just like I think if, if Brock re, re, resigns with WWE, the second time around in his UFC hopes, Vince not going to be as lenient. Just my take. We'll find out. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can agree with you. Uh, with you on that regarding Brock, because as we said, Vince McMahon is Brock Lesnar's bitch. There we go. Let's slide into those DM times, Adam Silverstein. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? (laughs) (laughs) I love that add-on at the end. That was, by the way, that John Cena and uh, R-Truth episode where R-Truth was dressed like a Civil War general. That, you know, it's a little throwback action right there. But All right, let's go. All right, our first one, our first slide comes from uh, Jesse Linares at Jesse Linha. On Twitter, he says, has WWE done enough character work for Nakamura on the main roster to make any non-NXT fan, and I'll throw in non-NGPW fan as well, invested in him for such a big spot at WrestleMania? It's a good question. I think it's timely this week. So the answer is no. And I, and I know if anybody out there going, all you guys do is rail on, on you know WWE's rock star. So we spent a lot of time on this show talking about, like, how these guys haven't resonated on the rain roster. Nakamura is the real reason. But like the why is the real important part. And I think you saw that again this week. I popped for AJ winning on Sunday night because now it secures him and Nakamura. It makes a lot of sense. I did not pop for their promo across from each other this week to open SmackDown. In fact, it was incredibly weak. Like Nakamura just cannot talk. Like, like he does in real life. Like, he can do English pretty good in real you life. You crapped on me last week for saying that, by the way. But you're right now, and I don't have to play the sound of, of you know, of Alexa Bliss ripping Oscar. but, like, I think it's because he's overcoached. He really cannot talk. I mean, the opening of SmackDown this week made no sense. He's talking, then Rusev's music hits, they go to commercial, they come back, it's AJ against Rusev, no explanation as to why. Like, it made no sense. But the real key is here is why are guys like Nakamura getting over? It's not just Nakamura on the main roster, guys. It's Bobby Roode who this week was a buffoon doing his glorious, you know, hand gesture thing. And it's also Asuka, who really struggled herself this week on SmackDown Live and giving a promo. And it comes down to this, the lack of character development. Jesse said it. Have they done enough character work? They've done no character work. So what that means, Adam, there's no depth or personality to them at all. 
How do you build depth and personality? Vignettes, like they used to on WWE, like we got for the Bludgeon Brothers, right? But like nobody else. Like, and just working over giving us a reason to know their story and care about why they're there. We know he's a rock star. We know nothing else. We know uh, Bobby Roode can't, talk about it, can't stop talking about his catchphrase. We know nothing else, right? All we know about Asuka, if you don't know how badass Asuka was in NXT, Adam, true or false, you'd think she's this clown. She's a clown when she comes out to the ring, when she talks. Like, they, like you, congratulations, main roster WWE. You played yourself. When, when in, in kayfabe, storyline-wise, William Regal signed Nakamura, Asuka, and Bobby Roode on an NXT. They came out, maybe not Nakamura, but but Asuka and Bobby Roode came out suited, badass, signed the papers, stared down potential opponents, um, got heat, not just from being heels, but from being badass heels that actually kicked ass and did things that were not in the realm of normal match. What Asuka's done since joining the main roster in WWE is they said, oh my God, they did the great vignettes before she joined them, right? Awesome. Then they just stopped. They stopped talking about the streak. They stopped talking her ab- about her as a badass. And the last two months, they've had her almost lose matches against Nia, Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, I think, uh, uh, Sasha Banks, right? So now she looks vulnerable. So they haven't even said to her, okay, like, yeah, we're going to risk this with Sasha and Mickey and some others, but just squashing everyone on Raw. Don't, she doesn't need to talk. Come out in the suit. She should, you know, hopefully they do this on SmackDown. Sign the contract on SmackDown. Take Charlotte out. Be a badass. Next week, air a vignette on everyone whose ass she's kicked. That's all you need to do to build up Oscar, right? Bobby Roode, put him in a suit. Have him just yeah. lay out Orton backstage. It's easy, man. It's really not that hard. Um, this isn't Hero or Zero, but the way, they, the way they've handled Nakamura, Asuka, and Bobby Roode, it's zero. And by the way, it's, it's, it comes down to this. They're trying to create these people as cartoon characters so the kids will want to go out and buy the shirt. But the reality is the parents have the money, and if you present these people as badasses, the parents will want to be the ones that buy the shirt for themselves. Like, that's ultimately the difference right there. So, come on. Like, and I don't do this to give us another air. I don't, I don't feel this question, Adam, to give us yet another time to complain, but it's about it could be better. So why isn't it better? Yeah, uh, it has to do a lot with writing, obviously, but it really, I think it starts with Vince. He has these people that Hunter really built up, and, and you and I agreed, by the way. Bobby Roode main roster, we really don't didn't think it was going to work, still don't think it's going to work. But there's no reason that Shinsuke Nakamura and Asuka are not, are not megastars. And people like them, fans like them, because they're good, A, and some of them watch NXT and know what they used to be. But if you're a WWE fan who only watches Raw and SmackDown, and the only thing you know about Shinsuke Nakamura is that he wears red, he dances funny, and he's the quote-unquote rock star. You're losing out on the experience of Shinsuke Even Nakamura. Even though his song is a classical song. All right, we got to get we got to it's, it's really unfortunate. All right, no, up next from Adam X. Parsons. He doesn't have a question. He has a statement, and I think you and I are going to have some statements following. He says, so I guess Ronda Rousey isn't going to be on every Raw leading up to WrestleMania. Yeah, I guess they lied, Adam. I mean, uh, I've tried to sniff out the dirt sheet uh, results of why this was the case, and I know she was on Ellen the next morning, right, in California, but it, it seemed like she wasn't on Raw Monday night for what? Was it Was it uh, medical testing she had to do that was that's WWE? What the, that's what's been reported, apparently, testing in Detroit. She couldn't get there in time. So we don't know, but it, it, it did look bad. They made up for it by having such a loaded Raw, and I know they played the video package to remind you that she's still on the roster, but to make that declaration, Adam, I don't, I don't know what the doctor's appointments were, if that was true or what the deal was, but can you reschedule them? Can you get her on Raw because you made that promise? And so it's a little bit of like a, eh, eh, come on, you know, you're better than that. 
there's only so much to this angle. And you really can't – like what are they really going to do with her over the next That's two weeks? That's a fair point. Before, what else – Before what the go-home. What story else is there to tell outside of, again – putting them in each other's faces and having one assault the other. You're right. It's, it's, it's interesting. But what we need from Rousey, I think, still is a sit-down interview on WWE that explains more about why she's coming to do this. We've seen that a little bit in real life. We saw it on Ellen. ESPN had the exclusive on the day of the Rumble. We need that on WWE TV. In theory, they could have already filmed that, and maybe they'll show it next week so she doesn't have to be there. They could accomplish that. But shout-out yeah, to... I'm cool. I'm sorry. I'm cool with them faking a backstage interview with her that's pre-taped. And a 10-minute thing on Raw where you actually learn about her. They show highlights. And, you know, maybe someone interrupts. Maybe Stephanie interrupts. Hey, this was only supposed to go five minutes. Why are you giving her so much? You know, there's things that you can do without her actually being there. But, man, what? like, I don't know what they're going to do. And and you know me, man. I'm all in on Ronda Rousey. And it actually concerns me that she may not be on TV for three weeks and may not be in the ring until the go-home show. You know who's trying to work their way into a guarantee they'll be on this show every week? It's Adam X. Parsons. Wow. Shout out again to that guy. You know who's mad about that? The original, D Midi 78 He's got to feel like Dolph Ziggler right now these days. I know he's been tweeting at us, but like, like that guy was day one-ish, Adam. Don't forget, I know that uh, you and Nick turned heel on old D Midi from down under, but that guy was day one-ish, and now, you know, we can't seem to work him into a match here. I mean, look, we, um, just like Vince, you have to reach for the brass ring. We reward good questions. We reward wow. good comments. Wow. And if you're not bringing him to that level, then you're he just not became get the Dolph Ziggler. Podcast. He just became the Dolph Ziggler. I, hey, I, I'm I'm still ride or die D Mitty. All right, let's 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 get on. All right, so someone else someone else who tweets us all the time is Grant Fesher uh, at Grant So Great. You're really putting yourself over there, Grant. Uh, he says he says I know you guys haven't had much time to talk NJPW lately for good reason, in my opinion. But man, you guys should really watch the Ishi Elgin match from the first night of the NJPW Cup. Awesome, hard hitting match. Just like you would expect, BC, did you watch it? And what did you think of the match? So I did watch it based on Grant's reaching out to us. And I had heard some buzz on the match. And I got to actually come with a different take. And there's a reason why I want to give you this little spout real quick. I'm so pro-revolution, so pro-NGPW, it's ridiculous. But this was not the match that I would showcase people as a reason to watch. I felt like this match, if anything, showcased the stereotypical things people say about it. Do you know what this match was? One sick, absurd, hard-hitting spot after another that led to a near-fall two-count. Only there was way too many of them for a first-round match in the NJPW like Cup tournament. I know that G1 is different. G1 has a theme that every match matters and everyone's trying to be five-star. This was a little bit gratuitous, and I think the unfortunate byproduct was that Ishii was lucky to get out of this match alive. And again, Adam, it's different when it's the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, and they have four or five hellacious spots where you're like, that guy's paralyzed. No, now he's paralyzed. There was like four of those spots in this, and it looked reckless. And Ishii, what did he get hit with off the top rope? Some absurd sort of power. It was like a razor's-edged leaping power bomb off the top rope in which his head hit basically like on the top, and then his neck folded under. And I thought he was dead only. That produced a two count. And then he kicked out of like four other moves. This was actually uh, like, yeah, it was a spot fest, but it's a negative spot fest. I didn't feel storylines. I didn't feel anything. This is not the type of match I'm going to say, hey, guys, you got to go see that product and see what it is. I thought this this was like this was like when uh, if you're a Cinemax 1990s B-movie fan, you like a little skinny Max. But then someone shows you what, what you really could be watching. And you're like, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. This is what this <laughs> felt like. I think that's fair. Uh, I saw the GIFs. I did not, or GIFs, I think they are. I don't even remember what's proper Graphics anymore. interchange uh, format. It's a G. Let's let's call it a hard G. Let's so say I'm, GIF, I'm GIF, but I think the maker of them said it's GIF with a J. If I remember like how this transpired. So whatever, I'll say GIF because that's how I, I've always said it and that's how I like it. Um, I saw them. 
at first I thought, yeah, he should be dead. And then I thought, well, you can't break what doesn't exist. The guy doesn't really have a neck in the first place. So, you know, he, whatever. <laughs> but I, I, I love Ishii. We're going to see him WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans. Cannot wait. Glad he's alive. That match, I agree, though. Um, based on that clip and the way you described it, I can't see it doing much for me. The Japanese wrestling that I like, it includes some form of Omega, Okada, Tanahashi, Ibushi, Ishii against one of those guys. But... Two massive big guys in New Japan is not the way that I want other people to experience Well, they hit the 17 finishers about each. And, like, I'm sorry, like, unless it's the main event of WrestleMania where you're like, I'm going to be, I'm going to just fight through anything. It's not believable that somebody could take that many moves under kayfabe and still keep kicking out. So it was just, it wasn't my cup of tea. Adam, we have, we've gone long because we're bringing it this week. I think we should send those, uh, those, those uh, field spots out as a bonus again this week. I think the people sort of liked that last time. Um, let me think about that. Yeah. Okay. We can go field spots as a bonus. So in lieu of the field spots, which we'll send out on Twitter at in this corner, CBS, uh, pretty close to the same time the podcast will get published in lieu of that BC. Do we want to give them any teases for what's to come on the next couple of weeks on ITC? I will say we have a lot of interviews. We don't want to give you specific names, but what kind of topics do you think we might be talking about here going forward? Oh, I think that we're talking about, uh, NXT, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. And NXT, uh, Women's Revolution, uh, or Evolution, if you want to call it that, main event of WrestleMania. Uh, we got we, hope. We're, we got some all killer, no filler coming this way. The ITC is about to bring it, like we always do. I mean, this is going to be a fun stretch. You know, you talk about the the fun stretch on TV on the road to WrestleMania. The ITC is going to be going to mirror that. Yeah, I would say the two weeks leading into WrestleMania, including the week in New Orleans, you guys are going to get. Plenty of underjuice, and you'll be spilling plenty of milk of Marknesia listening to the In This Corner podcast on CBS. So there's only one thing left to say. Goodbye and good night. Oh, yeah, we out.